Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here this morning and uh, to see all your smiling faces after Christmas and New Year. We're well and truly into 2023, and 2023 is always, uh, the start of a new year is always exciting because it's like laying blank before us, and we never know what it holds. I uh, was excited for the Christmas break. My parents uh, booked a unit at the Gold Coast, and I was looking forward to heading down there and being with them, and then literally the day before Christmas... They both came down with COVID. And uh, so they spent all this money for this beautiful unit at the coast that they got to isolate in and none of us got to go to. Talk about selfish. What are you going to do? But, you know, I I think uh, like most of us, I was hoping uh, COVID would be over. You know, 2023, enough of the COVID. But uh, I think... Most of us, we've come to the conclusion that it's just something that we've got to learn to live with. It it seems to just be around and and in the community. And uh, I remember back even just a few months ago, uh, see if you can cast your memories back two years ago. If one person got COVID in Brisbane, it was like state lockdown, mandatory lockdown. We were all sent home, working from home versus now. It's like, oh, I just got to live with it. It's in the community. I've managed to avoid uh, COVID. Uh, I don't know how, but uh, my parents, the carriers of COVID, I've managed to avoid it. But I must admit, there's been many times I've been out uh, shopping at Coles or Woolies or, or just shopping and, you know, I've, I've let out an accidental sneeze. And... Uh, Straight away, I feel compelled to turn to everybody within the vicinity of the aisle and announce to the, to the public, I don't have COVID. It's okay. I don't have COVID. I kind of feel like um, in the book of Leviticus, a priest told the people, when you walk along the streets with leprosy, you have to cl- cry out, unclean, unclean. Well, that's kind of how I feel sometimes. And I must admit there's been a few times I've just about choked myself and tears in my eyes trying to suppress a sneeze. If you've ever done that, it's it's quite difficult to do. But, you know, again, I remember... Just, just a few years ago, if someone sneezed, you'd get the mandatory uh, offerings from random strangers, God bless you. Or you got the Gesundheit from the German speakers in our midst. But it seemed quite common uh, with a sneeze or with a cough or, you know, that, that you would get this uh, blessing of, of God bless you. Now, I think for most of us, if we're in Coles or Woolies and and we hear someone hacking up a lung or or sneezing, deep down inside, we're doing the sign of the cross and we're saying, God bless me, God protect me. But, you know, I started thinking about that. Okay, God bless you. Where did that come from? It, It almost seems rude in our society today. If someone sneezes, there's actually a Seinfeld episode, if you follow Seinfeld, where they don't say, God bless you, after the person sneezes. And it's like, that's so rude. You know, a lot of people think that, that that's so rude. 
And I, and I started thinking, well, where did that come from? Maybe it's from the Bible somewhere, maybe. So I started to do some, you know, Google, Wikipedia research, uh, very authoritative research on how did this come about. And it, it seems that there's several explanations for this. One of them is that it was, dates back to the first century where it was believed if you sneezed, it was the body's way of ridding itself of an evil spirit. And so people were, were told to say, God bless you when someone sneezed to protect them from evil spirits. Then apparently in 541 AD, there was a plague and Pope Gregory, who was the ruling Pope at that time, mandated that people were to say, God bless you when someone sneezed as a way of protecting them from the plague. So however it's come about, uh, it seems to be that the idea of asking for God's blessing, the idea of somehow chasing or pursuing God's blessing has been around for a long time. And it's something that, you know, just even as, as Tim prayed for Eve this morning, he prayed God's blessing over her. It's something that, that feels good and it's something that we often hear about. Back uh, in 2020, when I stepped into this role at Gateway, I found myself uh, asking the Lord for a verse and meditating, and I felt to meditate and pray during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, uh, the prayer of Jabez from 1 Chronicles chapter 4. And it tells us, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Now, that's a, that's a cool prayer to pray. I think they've even written books on Jabez's prayer, that God would bless us and enlarge our territory. In other words, enlarge our influence. That was my prayer here at Gateway. Jason, watch out. World domination. Let me be with you. Keep me from harm so that I would be free from pain. That's a good prayer to pray. And so I thought, well, let me just do a, a, again a, a search on what is understood. What's a definition of God's blessing? And so the biblical dictionary defines blessing, God's blessing as a public declaration of a favored status with God. A blessing is a favor or a gift bestowed by God thereby bringing happiness, prosperity, and success. And so with that understanding, we recognize we live in a space and time where praying God's blessing over someone or praying for that in our own lives is may they know prosperity, may they know influence and be free from, from pain and sickness and suffering. God, give us, give me good things. And so, again, it, it, it really is a good prayer to pray over people. To me, it's better than uh, like, 
you know, Paul's prayers in, in Romans and in Colossians where he, where he talks about, I rejoice in my sufferings. Now, I don't know about you, if I was to take a quick poll, I would much rather God's blessing than sufferings. As we look at 2023, I would much rather be praying, God, grant me favour and success and prosperity. Let, let's just do a quick poll, those of you online. How many of you, as you look at 2023, are thinking, I want God's blessing? One person, I see that hand, I see that hand. Okay, how many of you are saying, oh God, bring me, uh, you know, suffering that I could rejoice this year? No, no one? <laughs> yeah, we much prefer blessing than, than we would want suffering. But unfortunately, when we think about blessing in this way, increase my territory, uh, watch over me, keep me free from harm, favour, I think for many of us, we start to see God's blessing as this transactional exchange. In other words, I do something which earns me God's blessing. So I do something good or, or, or I, I don't do something bad and somehow that's earned me the right or the, the favor of God upon my life. It's like somehow we're owed something by God because of what we've done, this exchange, this transaction with God. So it's like saying, well, God, I threw 20 bucks in this offering or in this need, or I threw in $200 or, or $2,000 or $20,000, well, God, somehow I expect this favor, this blessing upon me because of that. And unfortunately, when we think about God's favor, this undeserved uh, blessing of prosperity and health and, and increasing uh, influence upon our lives, I think a lot of us in this transactional exchange, we fall into a theological trap that is sometimes called the prosperity gospel, or other names for it is the health and wealth gospel, or the name it and claim it gospel. It's a theology, a way of thinking that somehow God will reward me in a blessing, in favor, in proportion to my acts of, of sacrifice in proportion to what I do in response to the degree of my faith that I demonstrate. It's like it's proportionate. This much faith in what I've done or this much sacrifice, somehow it measures out and it equates to God's blessing upon my life. And so I think, is there any wonder when we think like that, this sort of prosperity gospel thinking that God almost owes us blessings when we do something that requires sacrifice. I used to be a primary school teacher and um, it kind of outworks itself in this way. So I, I taught for several years, uh, primary school grade one, and uh, the great uh, teaching tool that uh, I used, which was very successful, I believe many of you probably still do it with young children today, is the sticker system. So you have all these stickers, which are rewards, and the, you work your way up into the rewards, and you know, the, the second closest to the goal is the silver sticker, and the ultimate prize, the ultimate reward is the 
gold sticker. And, you know, I'd have these gold stickers that I'd put on the children's foreheads and they'd walk around so proud of their gold stickers. And I'd have other children, but I was good. I sat there quietly. I want a gold sticker. You know, I think that is an example of what I'm talking about. There's somehow this pro quo, quid pro quo, that I've done this, so therefore I deserve that favour. You know, I wonder what gold sticker do you believe you deserve because of your sacrifice? Or what blessing do you believe God owes you that's commensurate, that matches the degree of money you've put in the pot? or the degree of sacrifice or hardship that you've taken. You know, I think for some of us, when we look at our finances, we start to think, well, okay, God, I threw $50 into that offering, or I did this, or I did that, so therefore... I expect a sevenfold increase. I've even heard Christians that think that way in how much money that they give. Oh, well, I'm going to give $30 because I'm expecting a hundredfold increase. I'm, I'm expecting uh, $300 in return. And, you know, just as we were reminded this morning, as we were uh, encouraged and invited to give of our finances, we recognize all that we have, all that we have in our bank accounts, in our material possessions, is a result of a generous God who gives generously to us. And therefore, we are called to give generously back in investing into his purposes and his plans. It's not because, well, this, you know, this uh, prosperity gospel that somehow, like an investment, I've invested that, I expect this much in return. We give because God gives to us. It's like when you invite someone for dinner. If you're like me, you know, I like to have people around for dinner. But sometimes I think, I don't know. I keep inviting people for dinner. And do I get invited back? No, I don't. And so if you haven't been invited now, you know why, yeah? I'm not casting my pearls before swine. I'm spending all this money. I'm putting on this hospitality. And they're not even inviting me back for dinner. It's like there's this expectation that I do something and you have to pay me back. But, you know, we recognize that God does not work that way when it comes to blessing. Maybe other than in finances, you expect God's blessing on your health. Like somehow your health is linked to your degree of Faith. There are even people that say, well, if you're not healed, you know, well, there's sin in your life. You know, I, uh, sometimes I've even heard people joke about that. Oh, you got COVID? Sin in your life. That explains why I've never gotten it, by the way. My mum and dad are here. You've gotten it twice. Well, what can I say? But we know God doesn't work like that. We live in a broken, fallen world where there's sickness and, and there's pain and there's suffering. Things are not the way they're meant to be. But it's not based on our, how, on our faith or how good we are that somehow we're blessed and we don't get sick. 
I think for some of us, we may expect God's blessing on our material possessions, on the things that we own, on our cars. You know, just just a few weeks ago, I had my car and I was in a little bit of a rush and I put up the roller door and I just backed that car out, except I forgot the door had to go up the whole way. And so I knocked the whole top of my, uh, what do you call that, antennary thing off the car. And I took it to the, the car place. How much is this going to cost to get fixed? Over $1,000. I was like, oh, man, you know, God, why? We love those sorts of prayers, you know. Material possessions. It, it, it reminds me when I was on the mission field. I didn't have a lot of money and... Uh, Sometimes buying new clothes was a challenge because of, of uh, financial reasons, but, but more, more than often in, in places like India where I was living and working, it was because, you know, the, the clothing was this big and uh, it was a bit of a challenge. And so when I would buy something new, I, I remember this one day I bought a new kurta and the kurta is a traditional Indian, you know, the long uh, shirts and they often have very elegant designs and sequins and so I had this new kurta and I was so proud of my new kurta and I was wearing it for the first day and I was heading off to do ministry in this community and as I was hopping into the rickshaw these little cars that you you travel in it had a nail sticking out of the side and as I got in because you know I'm a little bit uh, prosperous in certain regions as I was getting in I just ripped the whole back of this kurta, just, and I was so upset. I was upset because it was brand new. It was the first time I was wearing it, and, and God knew the challenge it was for me to get these clothes. But I realized deep down what I was upset about was I was somehow disappointed that God's blessing was somehow not on the things I owned. And, and the way I would rationalize that were, were passages like in Deuteronomy chapter 29, where the Israelites have been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. And it says, During the 40 years I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet And it was like I somehow felt disappointed with God that somehow God's blessing, whether it's on my kurta or on my car, that somehow God's blessing should be on my material possessions. And so it's like I was bargaining and negotiating with God. But, you know, we know that God's blessings are so often unnoticed the sunshine that, that reflects on the water, the, the beauty in creation, the, the beauty of flowers. So it doesn't matter what it is, the sun, the rain, the cool breeze, God's blessings are so often unnoticed. You know, at the start of the pandemic, a song that came out in March 2020, and it went around the world as fast as COVID did, was a song called The Blessing by Kerry Job. And you would know that song. The Lord bless you and keep you. Come on. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you. 
peace. You know, again, that song, which is now apparently in, an, in over 145 different languages all around the world, that song is, is just a song that makes you feel good. It's a song that, that uh, it, it actually comes from Aaron's priestly blessing when Moses is talking to Aaron the, the priest in Numbers chapter 6. And we're told in that passage, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now that passage is today often used as a benediction prayer. And a benediction prayer is something that the priest or the minister will often speak out over the congregation at the end of a service. Just yesterday, uh, I had the, the uh, privilege of doing a wedding and I got to pray the benediction prayer over the couple. It's a seal of God's favor upon them the blessing of God over that person. And it feels good. It feels nice. It's one of those things that feels very biblical to, to pray and to ask for that benediction prayer, that God is a generous God and he loves to bless his people undeservedly. But in Psalm 67, we get a look, and that's the passage we're going to look at this morning. We get a, a, an eyesight into what is the purpose of this benediction prayer, the purpose of this blessing. So if you're online or here in the room, let's turn to Psalm 67 and let's see how it's written. So Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. And Father, this morning we pray, Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to truly understand what this blessing is all about. This, this uh, Aaron, ironic blessing from Numbers. What it truly means for God to be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us. Would you open our eyes to understand that this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So let's just unpack this a little bit. Uh, it's important to understand the historical context that this psalm was written in. Now, the author of this psalm is not known. He's an unknown or she's an unknown author. But we understand that this psalm, Psalm 67, was written as a song. Hence why verses 3 and verse 5 repeat, uh, May peoples praise you, God. May all the people praise you. 
It was written as a song, and it was sung at harvest time, probably the Feast of, of Tabernacles, when, when the Israelites were harvesting and bringing in their crops. They would sing this song that God would be blessed, that he blessed his people with this abundant harvest, with the sun and the rain and the seed. It wasn't earned. It wasn't deserved. It was simply God's blessing that was given to his people, that he made his face uh, look upon them and shine upon them with favor versus looking away in, in disgust or looking God looking away, saying, you haven't earned my blessing. God looked upon them with favor and with blessing. He blessed them and he chose to bless them. And the harvest was just one of the ways that he blessed them and was gracious with them. And so that is how Psalm 67 starts in verse 1. This blessing, his face shining upon them. But straight away in verse 2, right through to the end of the psalm, verse 7, we actually see the purpose for God's blessing. So let's have a look at verse 2. So that your ways... God, your blessing upon us, your face shining upon us is so that your ways would be known on the earth, that your salvation, uh, so that your salvation would be among all nations. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. In other words, the benediction of God's blessing and God's favor and God's face shining towards them, it wasn't just for the Israelites. They understood that this undeserved favor, this blessing of God was for the nations around them. They weren't just chosen to get the blessings like the Bless Me Club. They were blessed to be a blessing that his ways would be known, his salvation to the ends of the earth. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the people praise you. The land yields its harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God bless us still so that... All the nations of the earth will fear him. The psalmist who wrote this song understood that God's blessing wasn't just for selfish reasons. It wasn't that, you know, well, we're saved as Israelites. We're the chosen people, and that's what it's all about. It was so that all people around them would come to know him. And that goes right back, that understanding that the psalmist writes in Psalm 67 goes right back to Father Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, where God turns to Abraham and he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham was blessed. The Israelites were blessed. Why? So that all people would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, that the nations around them would come to know this God that the Israelites served. 
And that essentially is what Jesus was about in the New Testament. When Jesus came, he brought two great commandments. The great commandment, which was to, in uh, Matthew chapter 22, say it with me, to love the Lord your God, say it with me, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. The great commandment for all people to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it gets coupled together with the great commission, the two greats, the great commandment, the great commission, which is, read it with me, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And God says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We see that Jesus was a fulfillment of this, this blessing over Abraham in Genesis and the Aaron's priestly blessing, the fulfillment that we have been blessed so that we would be a blessing to those around us. But you know, for so many of us, I've been blessed. I'll go to heaven when I die. It's like we've made it the great individual thing that it's just about us, that I'll be blessed, that you'll enlarge my territory. God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Stuff everybody around me. It's about me. I'll be saved. I'll go to heaven when I die. But we know that God calls us to be a blessing to the nations around us. Again, in Psalm 67, verse 3, may the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and you guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest, God. Our God blesses us. May God Bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. You know, our response to God's blessings, it's not about us. It's that all the world would know him, that all the world would come to know, know him. You know, unfortunately, today, just like in the Israelites' days, the Israelites, the chosen people, they saw the nations around them as hostile, as threatening to the ways of God. And what this resulted in was an us versus them mentality, that we have to stay separate from the nations around us. They're even commanded that in different passages. But they took that to mean it's an us versus them. And unfortunately today, we see that same pattern uh, 
in, in the world around us, where there's a xenophobic response, where, you know, things like refugees and asylum seekers and, and, and people coming from different religious backgrounds, like somehow it's an us versus them. And, you know, we need to protect Australia's borders. It's an us versus them. We need to stay separate. It's an us versus them. But it's not about an us versus them. Abraham's blessing, Aaron's blessing was an us for them. Us for them. We have been blessed for them. For the nations around us, God. We are not the sole beneficiaries of God's blessing. We have been blessed so that all would be blessed. And that's why Jesus, we see Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit descends upon the believers. And we're told in Acts verse 1, you will receive power, Jesus tells them, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know, it isn't just for the missionaries. It's not just for the Gateway Beyond workers, the Elsbeths in South Asia and, and the Wetsiks in, in Congo and the Wrights in Uganda and, and others in the Middle East and in Southeast Asia and in Myanmar. It's not just for our Gateway Beyond workers, our workers in Cambodia. It's each and every one of us are blessed. Why? So that all would come to know him. One yes, well done. Have you ever wondered of all the sperm and all the egg, am I allowed to say that word in church? Too late, it's been said. Of all those things that bring life by God's hand, have you ever wondered why you? Why you? Why did he put you on this earth? We know that our every day is ordained for us according to God's plan. We don't know how long we will live. We know that we have one life to live, unless you're a Hindu and you believe in reincarnation. But as Christian, we have a God who's given us one life to live. And he has blessed us. Why? Because with that one life to live, it means we have one life to give. One life to live, folks. One life to give. That we would Give our lives for his glory, not just gateway beyond workers. We have been saved for a purpose. So the question becomes, how do I take this life that God has given me for however many days I'm on this earth, how do I take it and literally live every day for God's purposes and God's plan? How do I steward the one life you've given me to give that one life for your purposes to the nations around me, to the peoples around me? How do I do that, Lord? And you know, I think sometimes the easy way out of that is to go, okay, well, I threw $100 in the Christmas offering campaign, or I threw $100 into this need. 
I think sometimes the easiest thing for us, particularly as comfortable Western people, is just to pull out $20, $50, throw it in the pot and walk away and pat ourselves on the back and go, well, I did my part. Now, that's true. We need that. Don't hear me wrong. We need that to, to, to build an early learning center in Cambodia where there's so much need. Those things are important. But I want to challenge you this morning. One life to live, one life to give, and it's more than just our finances. It's about doing something that makes a difference in God's kingdom with our lives. You know, I know for me, I never, I didn't grow up thinking, oh, I want to be a missionary when I grow up. I, I didn't get saved till much later on in my life. But what motivated me from the earliest days when I got saved and I started to understand the great commandment and the great commission is that, God, I want to live my life without regrets. God, I want to live my life with passion. I want to live my life with purpose. God, I want to live my life for whatever it looks like with intention. That God, I have one life to live. God, I have one life to give. God, show me the calling, the purpose you have for me. And that's what motivated me to to step out in what I thought was a short-term mission trip, short-term mission training. And it ended up being 29 years of my life on the mission field. And I remember the first time I was in India, I was just, just in, on the mission field for doing training for three months and I ended up in India and there were crowds of people in this poor community where we were working and I remember just feeling so overwhelmed thinking, God, what difference can I possibly make? And God reminded me of that passage in Matthew chapter 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turned to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And as I stood there, I felt God say, Eleanor, will you love these people? Will you have compassion? Will you be my hands and my feet? One life to live, I've given you, Eleanor. One life to give in response with purpose, with passion, with intent. You know, so many, so many are yet to hear. So many nations are yet to hear. It's not us versus them. It's us for them. I recently, just before Christmas, I had the privilege of taking a short-term mission trip for two weeks to Papua New Guinea from Gateway. And the team had six individuals, there were six of us on the team. I've got Haley here today, one of the members of the team. You know, Haley is a project manager. Her background's a project manager. I had a personal trainer on the team. I had a, a Bible student, a Bible college student. I had a teacher's aide. I had a cartographer, people who make maps. These were ordinary, everyday, gateway congregation people. 
but they were willing to say one life to live, one life to give. They willingly gave of their vacation. They gave up two weeks of their holidays. They paid their own way to go to Papua New Guinea. And in that two weeks, we had the privilege of ministering to over 2,200 people. Two claps, well done. We had the privilege of sharing the gospel with 1,100 people. We saw 19 people get saved. 19 people. We saw people healed. We gave out over 900 Bibles, not just like this, where we sat with people and talked with them and prayed with them and encouraged them from God's Word. God used that team, people like Haley, ordinary, everyday people in ways that, that I'm sure Haley and all of us could never have expected God to use us. We were no one special, but we had one life to live and one life to give. And we said, God, use us. God, for your glory, you've blessed us. May we bless you in return. My challenge for you today is what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with the blessing, with His face shining on you, with all that He's given you? What are you doing in return? And it's not this transaction, oh, I have to therefore, you know, you invited me for dinner, I've got to invite you back. But God, the, in you I live and I move and I have my being. God, with my being, with my life, not just with my 20 bucks finances, but with my life. God, would you use me? The church in the West, my friends, we're too comfortable. It's so comfortable to sit in our pews and to walk out of here and we forget. We say, oh, okay, yeah, oh, I know I need to. Oh, oh. We have one life, one life. What are we doing with that life? As we finish our service today, there's a couple of practical steps that you could take. We're not all called to, to, to go to India. We're not all called to, but we're all called to be salt and light. We know that. This is not new preaching. You've heard it a thousand times. We've been blessed to bless others. You've heard that a thousand times. What are you doing with the one life He's given you? So some practical things. You'll notice as you walk out today, we have the neighbor's van. This is a ministry of Gateway. This is our care ministry to refugees and asylum seekers. Maybe a practical thing as you could give is some time to, to helping reach out to our refugee and asylum seeker community or alternatively to joining one of our care ministries to saying, okay, I've got some time, I can do something. For some of you, I wanna challenge you, step out of your comfort zones and consider joining a short-term mission team. I guarantee it will change your life. And we have some people out in the foyer in red shirts and Haley will be there. Haley, just give a wave so they know who you are. Haley will be there and you can talk to her. 
What's it like on a short-term team? And they'll be able to talk to you. We have short-term teams coming up in 2023 that are heading to Uganda in Africa. We have one heading to the Middle East. We have another one to rural Mergen in Queensland. We have another one heading probably to South Asia. There's lots of opportunities to join a short-term team. And for others of you, there's a short missional course that you can sign up for. It just goes for five Thursday nights from seven till nine. It's called Destiny by Design, and it's starting on February the 15th. It goes for five weeks, Destiny by Design, where you'll look at God's call upon your life, the way He's designed you, what He's weaved into your life, and how you can use your life for His purposes and His heart for all to come to know Him. So there are just some practical ways that you can sign up and you can respond to God to this word this morning. And so I want to ask you, would you stand with me as we finish our time together this morning? Let's stand. Let's stand. And Father, our prayer today is that, Father, we would live this one life that you've given us, that we would take it to use it for your kingdom, for your name's sake, for your purposes, our one life to live would be that we would use it for the sake of the world, for all that you're calling us to. We ask this in Jesus' name, for the sake of the world. Sing. 
would be a year that we give back, that we give our very lives to say, Father, here am I. Father, use me. Father, send me for the sake of the world. Father, would you stir our faith afresh this morning? You are a God of the nations. You are calling us to be a people that goes to the nations. Father, stir our hearts afresh for the sake of the world this morning. blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.